Welcome to the PAM podcast from KXC in London. As a church, we want to learn ways of being with Jesus, becoming like him and doing the things he did in order to see the city we love transformed. This podcast is a resource to help us explore these spirit-filled patterns of living and start putting them to practice every day. To explore the practice of slowing down, we caught up with John Mark Comer. John Mark is the lead pastor of Bridgetown in Portland, Oregon, is a passionate advocate for the spiritual disciplines and has tried to ruthlessly eliminate hurry from his own life. Um, so we're here with John Mark Homer. Well, we're not actually, we're in London. He's in Portland. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we also just really appreciate you. Um, you've given us so much gold as we've been journeying on this, the thing of pattern. And um, it just your input has been totally invaluable. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you for your ongoing relationship support. And um, we just want to massively honour you as well for all that you've gone on this journey so that we can benefit from it we just really appreciate it oh i'm just beyond grateful to be here and all the same back to you guys i mean i'll never forget the first sunday i came to kxc it was years ago but the way that you have paved the way in particular in the things of the holy spirit has radically reshaped my life and there's such a tie-in you know between the kind of charismatic movement the holy spirit and spiritual formation which we'll talk about a little bit that is such like a beautiful overlap as we create these practices or spiritual disciplines to present ourselves before the spirit of God and there be transformed. So we just feel such a debt to you. So, and plus you just sound cool and you're delightful, wonderful people. So (laughs) any chance to Skype with you and talk about following Jesus, I'm down for. So good. Um, So we're going to be talking about the practice of slowing down today. So um, just starting off, what does it mean to practice slowing down? Yeah. Well, okay. Can I back up just a quick second on that Mm. one? So, you know, the practice of slowing down or slowing is language used by Richard Foster, used a little bit in celebration of discipline. And then John Ortberg has picked up on it since, which are two kind of master apprentices of Jesus and writers over the last generation. But it's really, in a sense, a new practice, not in that we made it up, but that nobody really had to talk about it until the modern world. So all of the practices, or what in most traditions are called the spiritual disciplines, are simply habits in secular kind of modern language that are based on the life and the teaching of Jesus of Nazareth. So Jesus rarely commands us how to follow him. He just invites us to follow him, and then he does his thing. So, you know, one way that you can translate Jesus' invitation, come and follow me, I think is come and copy the details of my life or come and work the habits that make up my day-to-day life into your own. See, often we think about following Jesus just as a theological or a moral um, kind of expression of obedience to Jesus, and it is. So often we think, well, Jesus was a rabbi, and so we need to follow him and learn from him about God and the Bible and believe all the right stuff. And then most of us get, it's not just about that. You have to like live a certain way. He said, you know, love your enemy and don't worry and don't lust and stay faithful to your spouse and this kind of moral vision of human flourishing that Jesus had. But we forget that there's this third like bedrock kind of base level below the theological and the moral of the lifestyle that Jesus' theological vision and his moral vision all came out of a very particular way of life that he called the narrow way, the end of the Sermon on the Mount. Again, I grew up in a church tradition where the, the road is narrow was kind of interpreted to mean only a few people are going to heaven when they die and everybody else is going to hell. And while there might be some implications for that down the road for sure, I think that what Jesus is saying by my way is narrow, 
narrow is that it's a very particular way to live. So the broad way is the way of the world, the way of secularism, the way of the West, which is basically just do whatever feels good. So just be true to yourself is kind of the cliche we'd go by and just do what feels good, do what everybody else is doing, just go go wherever you want, however you want, whenever you want. That's the broad way. And in Jesus' mind, it does not lead to life. It leads to death. And so our culture constantly says, do whatever you want, and that's how you experience freedom in life. But then we look around and everybody's depressed and anxious and lonely and sexually dysfunctional and relationally broken and families are falling apart. We're racked by insecurity. And it's like, how's that going for us? You know? And ever since that whole movement started in the 1960s, at least in the US, and I know in England too, the happiness levels have been in decline year over year. Every single year it goes down, not up. Even as our wealth goes up, our education goes up, our civil rights go up, but yet our our sense of well-being goes down. And because we think that the road to life is just do whatever you want. And it's not. The road to, that's actually the road to death and destruction. And the road to life that we all crave is the narrow way of Jesus, the particular way of Jesus. So I digress, and we can edit all of this out of the podcast. My point is that these habits from the life of Jesus that we have come to call the spiritual disciplines or the practices are essentially this narrow way to live. And we need to think about following Jesus or our apprenticeship to Jesus, not just as a theological thing that we do, believe the right stuff, and not just as a moral thing that we do, do or don't do the right or wrong things, but as a way of life that we take on as apprentices of Jesus, where we pattern, that's what I love your language, we pattern our lives after the template that was set by Jesus of Nazareth. So all that to say, that brings us to the spiritual discipline of slowing. So one of the first things that you pick up about Jesus in the Gospels is that he was just rarely, if ever, in a hurry. Like, can you imagine like a hurried Jesus, like a kind of modern type A Londoner or whatever who's just stressed out and you go up to ask for a prayer and he's like, I'm sorry, I just, I have to speak for TEDx in Jerusalem or whatever. I can't, you know, but I'll catch you later, tweet at me or something, you know, or Jesus who's just kind of half talking to you, half texting somebody back on his phone or just like really stressed out and just snapping at Peter. Like, I can't believe you did that again. You can't believe you forgot the fish and the loaves or whatever, you know? And and there's a, a beautiful emotionality to Jesus. Like he does get frustrated and he does get angry, but I can't find a story where I find Jesus hurried. In fact, I can find a lot of other stories where he delays multiple days, even when there's a crisis on hand because he does something else or when he's up early and just spending hours in prayer or he's out in the desert for weeks at a time or he's just taking a nap at Peter's mother-in-law's house after synagogue on Sabbath morning, or he's sleeping in the front of a boat when everybody else is freaking out, and he's just sound asleep, at rest. There are just so many stories where Jesus refuses to be sucked into the hurry of the human condition. So part of following Jesus, if you are a hurried person, which I think in the past was maybe a few people, and in the Western modern world is, I would put it somewhere around 98%. It's the vast majority of people. If you are a hurried person, then the invitation is to take on his practice or his spiritual discipline of slowing your mind and your body down to match the pace of Jesus. And in that expression to begin to experience the life that he has. Well, we're not going to edit a single second of that. That was pure gold. Um, But you kind of already touched on it, but why do you think this practice is so needed in our world today? Well, okay. So if you think about this trifecta of the 
that you read in the life of Jesus, in particular you see it in the Gospel of John is where it comes through the most clearly, and then it's Paul's like dominant theme of love and joy and peace, which are, you know, we think of those as emotions, but in Jesus' teaching and in Paul in the New Testament, they are far more than emotions. Paul calls them the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of when the Spirit of God has formed you from the inside out. They are what Dallas Willard would call the overall settled condition of the heart. So your heart in biblical literature is kind of a three-part entity. It's your thinking, it's your feeling, and it's your will or your kind of agency in the language of philosophy. So your heart is what you think about, it's what you feel, and it's what you want or what you desire, what you will, right? This is the centermost core of what makes you you, your thought life, your emotional life, and your will or your desire, what you think about, what you feel, what you want, or what you do with your will. That's like the center of who you are. And love and joy and peace are not just emotions that come and go and we feel, I mean, there's an emotional component to them for sure, but they're more than that. They're the overall condition of how we think, how we feel and what we will of our heart, right? And if you think about that triumvirate that we read about all through Jesus, all through Paul, all three are incompatible with the life of hurry. So you cannot be a loving person and a hurried person. Just, I mean, do the, any, every parent knows this to be true. Everybody with a serious boyfriend, girlfriend, fiance, spouse knows this to be true. All of my worst moments as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, as a friend are always when I'm in a hurry. So most of the fights I get in with my wife or with my children or when I snap at them or I'm unchristlike and I yell or I use sarcasm or anger is almost always when we're late for something or the kids forgot to, I mean, literally my kids will like, well, we live in similar miserable weather to you guys and be the middle winter and my 10 year old will just walk out in shorts and flip flops and his hair undone. He literally went to church yesterday and we turned around as we're driving out of the car, out of the front way from the house to church and he's wearing a t-shirt. It's pouring rain outside. You know what I mean? It's like, so it's, those are the moments you're like, what? I can't believe, I can't believe you would do this or whatever. And that's just a great example, but that we all kind of get, at least if you're a parent, but hurry and love are incompatible. Love takes time. People take time. There was this saying back in the 90s in the parenting literature that love is spelled T-I-M-E. And it was so cheesy, but there's truth in that. Like the best expression of love there is, is to be present and attentive to somebody to intentionally delight in them, to express to them through your attention, through your body, through your presence, that they are loved and they are lovable. And that takes a very large amount of time. So you can't be a hurried person who's just making tons of money and closing this deal and changing the world and be a loving, present person to those that are closest to you. And that doesn't mean you can't work hard and do a lot of good in the world. It means you you have to choose what kind of person you want to be and what do you want to prioritize, your being or your doing, your relationship or your accomplishment. Secondly, joy. You think about what master apprentices of Jesus have said for millennia, and now we normally hear it from the secular mindfulness literature or experts or we hear it from Buddhist happiness gurus or a Harvard positive psychology class. But what everybody from secularists to Eastern, you know, New Age religions to Christianity through the centuries, all essentially says the same thing, that if there's a secret to happiness, it's very simple. It's an open secret. It's just being present to the goodness of God in each and every moment. So the more that you can slow down and not be 
you know, in your body, you're always in the present, but in my mind, I'm rarely in the present. I'm normally in the past or I'm in the future. I'm in a hurry. I'm in a rush. The more that I can slow down and be present and drink in the moment, even if the moment is a hard one or a difficult one or a not fun one that I just want to get past, like the more that I just try to hurry through it, the worse it becomes. And the more that I accept it and meet the invitations of God in that moment, the more that it becomes rich with God's presence and his goodness. I mean, how often do we go through our days and our week and our life and we miss the goodness of God in each and every moment? You know, I was just with um, John Ortberg, who's a, a writer that I love and who's been mentoring me a little bit. That might be too strong of a word. We've been having lunch on a regular basis and I'll see him again this coming Saturday. And last time we sat down and I just, you know, the, we started to catch up. How are you doing? And, you know, he's going through some real hard stuff with his family right now. And, but he just seemed really full of joy. I mean, he just, I mean, he's, and he's 60 something. And he just felt so full of joy. And we we're talking about some really heavy stuff with his family. And I said, how is it? You just seem happy. You seem full of joy. And then he just stopped for a minute. And he said, you know, at this stage in my life, I'm just trying to not miss the goodness of God in every moment and bring my best self to it. And I just was, I just said, can you just stop for a minute? I need to go write that down, you know? But there's something to just not missing the goodness of God on each moment. And then peace, that's a no-brainer. Like, you can't be hurried and at peace. Nobody's, like, late and racing to make a flight that they should have left for a half an hour before or racing because they have 20 things to do and time to do seven or trying to run errands. Like, nobody is hurrying through life and just sensing this deep peace from God and this sense of well-being. And this is where often we come to church and then we are just totally stressed out, totally overworked. We've run through our, our work week and then we've run through our weekend shopping and going to movies and doing too many things. And then we show up at church and then we like try to turn peace just into this spiritual issue. You know, like we were just singing this song at church the other day. Uh, it was a new song about, about peace. And it was a beautiful song, but our worship leader said, hey, what did you think of it? And there was a line at the end, it was, and it was essentially like, peace is the promise you keep or something like that. And it was a beautiful line and a beautiful song. And I thought, that's a great line, but that could be so easily misinterpreted. A lot of people just rush through their week, show up at church, and then want God to like peace bomb them. You know what I mean? Like just zap me with the emotion of peace from heaven. I don't want to change my busyness. I don't want to slow down my life. I don't want to reprioritize. I don't want to practice the way of Jesus. I just want to come to church and have him peace bomb me, you know? And while I think there is some truth in that, there's a deeper kind of peace that comes from the way of Jesus, the lifestyle of Jesus, where we live with him, not just for a few hours on Sunday, where we contend for peace to fall from heaven, which is, again, fine, but where we cultivate a way of life that is by its nature peaceful because it is by its nature the way that Jesus lives. So all that to say, that's my kind of massive why, like, you know, and those are just a few of them. But if you want to grow in love and joy and peace, you have to slow down. So, so what's that look like for you personally? Let's t- like, you know, how have you practiced that in your own life, or, or have you seen it um, change your life? Yeah. Uh, first off, I would say this is the most difficult of all the practices that I've taken on so far in my life with Jesus. And you know, the last five years or so have been this kind of deep dive in therapy and emotional health and life in community and spiritual direction and Sabbath and sabbatical and like all this stuff. 
and uh, Enneagram and knowing myself. And like, it's been a beautiful journey. And this is by far the hardest thing that I've done. Harder than Enneagram or therapy or any of that stuff. Slowing my life down to the pace of Jesus. I just live in such a busy life. I have, you know, I'm pastoring a church or one of the pastors at the church. I have three little kids that refuse to unhurry my life. And I have a phone and I live in a city and all this stuff. And, um, and so first off, I would just say, this isn't easy. But for me, there's a couple of core practices or spiritual disciplines from the way of Jesus that have really become instrumental in slowing my life down. So they're essentially silence and solitude, Sabbath, and simplicity. Those three practices, just lots of time to be alone in the quiet with God, Sabbath, an entire day set aside out of the week, and then simplicity where I intentionally simplify my life um, financially, material, materially from how many clothes I have in my closet to how many hobbies I do, which is basically one, but you know, to whatever, um, to just simplifying my overall life down to what really matters. Those three practices have been like governors on the speed of my life. And then I just like gamify everything else. So I have all these goofy little things where I will intentionally drive in the slow lane, you know, or when I'm at the grocery store or whatever you call it, the market or whatever, I will intentionally get in the longest line sometimes and not have my phone with me and just sit there and be bored like on purpose. Because every time in that moment, it's like, I find I can't sit still in line for two and a half minutes without pulling out my phone, without getting agitated, without tapping myself. And what is that telling me about the pace of my life? You know? So I have these goofy little things that I gamify. I have all sorts of kind of rituals and rhythms around my life with my phone. I think the phone is one of the greatest temptations that we have in the modern era to follow after other things other than Jesus. And so lots of disciplines around my life with my phone and technology and such like that. But again, that's unique person to person as we kind of gamify and figure out how to do this practically. And what's it, what have you seen it do in, in you and in your relationships? Well, I mean, when it's working, like when I'm actually in that posture and slowing down, I find that I am more loving, more joyful, and more at peace, which is not only good news for me, it's good news for the people around me. And above all, I find that I'm not only more emotionally and relationally healthy, but I am more attuned to the Spirit of God and more just full of the experience of life with Him and my relationship with Jesus. I mean, you get out what you put in. Your relationship with Jesus is, in a sense, no different than any other relationship. It takes time. It takes discipline, you know, for my wife and I, it's date night every Thursday or whatever, where we set aside time and space to be with God. And that's what slowing does for me. So if we practice this um, this discipline of slowing down, how do you think it's going to speak to the wider culture? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a few things that are more rebellious and countercultural and alternative to our society than practices for slowing. Practices like Sabbath and silence and solitude and slowing. Because to slow your life down, you have to reprioritize your life. 
and you have to accept your limitations. We live in a society that is buying into the Genesis chapter 3 myth, you shall be like gods, which was essentially a temptation to transgress our humanity, to transgress both the potential and the limitations that God has put into the human DNA. And that is the temptation of a secular society, is to go beyond God's handiwork of your personhood. So, you know, we realize that to be human means we have like radical potential. We're made in the image of God, but we're also made from the dust, which means we also have limitations. We're mortal. We live, we die. We have limitations like 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week. We have emotional limitations. We have relational limitations. We have intelligence or education or socioeconomic limitations. We have, you know, um, responsibilities such as family or marriage or work. We have all these limitations. And in our culture, a ton is said about reaching your full potential, which is great, all for that. But little to nothing is said about accepting your limitations. And it's both, if all you do is one, if all you do is accept your limitations, you never achieve what God has for you to achieve. But if all you do is talk about reaching your potential, you just end up tired and stressed out and you get sucked into the value system of the world. So slowing down through practices like science and solitude and Sabbath and just through slowing your mind and your body down through gamification, everything from mindfulness in the morning to the longest line of the checkout thing to just being more relaxed and putting your phone away, um, slowing yourself down to match the pace of Jesus is living into your potential and your limitations, and it is a radical alternative story to the world. I think of that Ivan Illich who was asked after decades of revolution in South America, what's the best way to change a society? Is it through violent you know, rebellion and war, or is it through slow incremental change? And he said, neither. The best way to change a society is to tell an alternative story. And I think that when we follow the way of Jesus, when we copy the details of his life, when we slow down and we buy less and we shop less and we accomplish less and we post less and we travel less and we just do what we do well, it is a radically alternative story to the story of secularism in the Western world that I think more and more people find compelling as people are getting sucked into the busyness and the hurry and the unhealth of the, of the world. Jesus said, what will it gain you if you if you profit the whole world, but you lose your soul? And I think the Western world in particular in a wealthy city like London is a great example of that. What will it gain you if you have all of this experience and this many stamps in your passport and you do all this and you kill it at work and you're this and you have this many followers on Instagram or whatever, but you don't have a soul, you know? So what we get to offer the world in the Western secular busy moment is soul. And I think that's really a gift. I mean, you've offered a, a compelling and enticing vision of slowing down and uh, an alternative lifestyle. Like if, if someone's listening to this and they're saying, hey, well, what's the first step? What do I do um, now? What, is your, what are your top tips for that? Yeah, I mean, I would just maybe pick five or 10 things or if that's too much, two or three things in your life and just murder them kill them. And you know what I mean? Like get out your diary as you would call it. That's what we call like when a little girl journals, but we'd call it a schedule, but your diary (laughs) and just kill, kill, or if that's too much, just kill one thing. Just begin to slowly cut things out of your life and begin to slowly work in some of the practices of Jesus that are intentionally geared at this. Things like just take a little time in the morning for silence and solitude. It doesn't have to be three hours. Take 15 minutes And when you wake up, before you turn on your phone, before you check the news or get your email or talk to your angry boss or whatever, just take a few moments. Breathe. Read a psalm. Present yourself before God. Uh, Begin to practice Sabbath. Just take a day a week and don't shop and go do a thousand things and catch up on work. and Just 
be, just rest and delight in God and eat long meals with your community and take time to read and pray and sleep in and then take a nap in the afternoon and just be at peace before God and then begin to just look for ways to gamefully slow your life down to where you begin to experience not just emotional health, but spiritual life moment to moment. And give yourself tons of patience for the journey because trying to slow yourself down if you live in London or you live anywhere in 2018 or you have a phone is, I mean, you are, talk about swimming against the stream, right? So give yourself tons of grace, tons of patience and enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Pattern Podcast. If you'd like to explore more spiritual patterns of living, head over to pattern.org.uk.